morning. How are you? I am well. We're just waiting for Kent to click on. I know he's in the process. <laughs> no problem. It takes a, a minute because when I first it was like, oh my goodness, but I persevered and I figured it out. Okay. Is there any is there any way I can uh, improve the volume with you? Okay, so are you and Kent together? Yep. <laughs> okay, so that's why we got feedback. You need to move a few inches away from each other because the feedback ah, of your phone. Got it. Let me go. It's so good to hear your voice, Kent. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Cool. I've been exercising and doing stuff and having a lot of fun. Excellent. I want to thank both of you for agreeing to speak with me. Um, today, which is December, what is today? The 30th? First? 31st, yes. Man, <laughs> yeah, this we're is almost New Year's, Year's Eve. Year. <laughs> we're almost to the end of a, of this year and the beginning of a new. I think this is such an apropos time to have the discussion that we're going to be discussing, which is probably going to be one of several podcasts as we talk about mind, body, and spirit connections. Yay. Yeah. So generally what I like to do, I like my podcast by telling people how I know the people with whom I'm speaking. And so, of course, the three of us, we have a story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the, there you go. And so quickly, the story that I have to share with everybody that's listening, and thank you so much for listening, is that I believe I met you first, Kent, at one yeah. of our annual mediation seminars in Florida that we have every year. Yes, and that really happens. <laughs> and if you want to, you can you can say a few words. I mean, I remember when I met you being instantly struck by you, your phony, your presence. If you want to speak on that for a few seconds, you can do so. Yeah, it was a magical meeting. Um, I was just, I think I was walking down the hallway and I saw Pam and I thought, wow, I, th I thought this, this woman is glowing and you were smiling and I thought, wow, what an interesting person. We were just attracted to each other's energy and aura and I just wondered who they were, uh, who she was. Uh, there's a lot of very, very interesting people that are mediators, all kinds of people. And Pam was just a little bit different. And then when I found out she was an attorney, I thought, wow, she's super advanced. So I just saw her aura, and we smiled, and we started talking, and it was like we knew each other for years. There, every year thereafter, except for the past two, because we've had a virtual right. seminar because of COVID, we would always gather each other out and, and meet and have, try to get caught up. And then I think you probably introduced me to Chris. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, that's that right. Yeah, yeah, because Chris, yeah, Chris was there. And go ahead, Chris. You can tell. Well, no, I, we were just walking past your table, and uh, Ken said, oh, there's some, someone special I want you to meet, <laughs> and that's what happened. Wow. So you just never know when and how you're going to meet kindred spirits and how over the passage of time you look forward to, to seeing them and even outside of the kept in touch, and we text yes. each other, and we follow each other on social media. So with all that said, what I'm going to do is, um, because we're going to be talking about whatever, I like to always start with some definitions. And I had gone, and just using the dictionary, 
tried to come up with some definitions that I'm going to read. And mm -hmm. if you all have anything you want to add to the definition that I'm going to first read, and it's going to be a definition for mind, body, spirit, spirituality. I think I have a definition here for um, religion and other things. So you can all weigh in and then we can get to the, the nuts and the bolts. And I, and I can foresee that we're not going to be able to cover everything that we want to discuss. So this just gives us an opportunity to create a series around these topics. How's yes, that? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what we want to do. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a framework for creating. And exactly. We're, we're setting and up a paradigm, so framework, and then we'll add on, we'll add the walls, the interior, the furniture, everything. And that is so interesting. You said a framework and about being creative. So for those of you who may not know, Today is the sixth day of Kwanzaa, and Kwanzaa is a cultural celebration that I celebrate as well. I celebrate Christmas. I celebrate a lot of holidays that I may not have a direct connection like Hanukkah, like Holy, but because I know who do celebrate and they include me in their celebrations, I have adopted their celebrations as my own. But the principle for today is kumba, which means creativity. Oh, so we're coming full circle when you were talking about using this as a framework um, for creativity. So the first definition, mind, the element of a person that enables them to be aware of the world and their experiences, to think and to feel the facility or faculty of consciousness and thought. Do any of you have any thoughts you would like to add to that definition? Go ahead, Chris. Me? <laughs> no, <laughs> Notice how I he volunteered you. I think it's a you. good definition. It's fine. Okay. So the next one is body. Physical structure of a person or animal including the bones, flesh, and organs. Let's go to Webster's because I like to just get basic information so that moving forward, you know, we're all operating from the same framework or, or base of knowledge. And actually, that's a tactic that I use as mediators. And I think I should share with everybody that both Chris and Ken are certified mediators. And we'll talk about that a little bit later too. So spirit the non-physical part of a person, which is the seat of emotions and character, the soul. Any, any thoughts on that one? Anything you want to add to that bone? Well, uh, with consciousness, with what we call sedience, and that's consciousness, but not only humans have consciousness. Uh, whales, dolphins, and other higher level mammals do have a consciousness. They're trying to program it into robots, but I don't think that's going to work. But there is such a thing as consciousness, which is an awareness of everything that's going on. Then we go into the physical part, which is the emotion. And of course, they all true people mix up information and knowledge and wisdom. Information just comes in. Then it translates to knowledge, but true wisdom comes from the heart. So we have to from the brain processing, we have to move into the heart, and that's the true wisdom. That's why every great uh, mystic has ever said, 
follow your heart because that's the true wisdom. So then we've got our two parts here. So we've got the, uh, the, uh, 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 the uh, consciousness and then we have the physical part and that's the brain. And there is such a thing as the psychic heart and the, the, uh, the heart that we have, our physical heart. And those, the psychic heart and the physical heart have to be in alignment and once they're out of alignment, they can cause physical, mental, and other uh, deviations. So we have to make sure that our psychic heart and our physical heart are both in the same rhythm. I totally, totally agree. Is to add to that, Chris? Yes. <laughs> I just simply that the spirit is, is a part of us that looks for meaning beyond just the physical. Wow. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. And so... Whether we get to it in episode or not, there are ways if you are not in alignment or in balance, there are things that one can do to be brought into balance and alignment. Okay, so um, shamans, healers, sages, wisdom keepers across all continents say human spirituality is composed of three aspects, relationships, values, and life purpose. Um, African spirituality, ancestral voices is about balancing your mind and soul so you can live in tune with the ancestral realm and the human world at the same time. Anyone have anything they want to speak to about African spirituality before I move into a definition for Native American spirituality? I just think it's beautiful. That was a beautiful definition. That's amazing. Okay. I love the values because values, when we, when I was in gifted education, I went study with a guy named Sid Simon and he'd written several books on values. A value is not just something you love or something you espouse. There's actually seven criterion for a value. You have to know it, you have to live it, you have to talk it, you have to write it down. Values clarification is a whole, we could do a whole podcast just on values. And I love the way we put relationships, values and purpose. That is just, that sums it up right there in a, in a teacup. I love that. Thank you. Native American spirituality, a system of spirituality that permeates every aspect of their lives. Any American spirituality? Well, I, I think of them as being so connected to the earth and they're recognizing that we're the keepers of the earth, not the users of the earth. Um, and, and they, Mother Earth is part of so much of their tradition. I mean, on a minute-to-minute, -minute, day day-to-day basis. And I just think that's beautiful and necessary. I wish, we, I wish they could have taught um, the pilgrims when they came, when they came about that. And, and they would have accepted it, that, that would, we would be a totally different nation. Absolutely. And I think to that point that I think a lot of indigenous cultures, not just Native American, but, you know, African cultures, um, Peruvian countries, you know. Yes. A, a lot of cultures have that same reverence for, for the land, for the earth, you know. Um, and so... Yes, we need to. And it's interesting that for the past almost two years as a result of the pandemic, because we were in such a slow, complete, I called it a global time out, that mm. actually you saw 
the benefits of what that did do around the world, where in parts of the world, there was no longer pollution because people weren't driving their cars. They were going nowhere. So you were able to see mountain peaks that you could no longer, you know, that you hadn't seen in decades, you know. Well, let me um, say something to that mm -hmm. point. Now, what we learned was seismologists, who, of course, they, they track volcanoes and volcanic activity. They found out that the Earth's crust, which is only 50 miles thick, it's not that thick. That's why they're, we're having so many problems. We drill into Mother Earth. But they found, seismologists, that the vibrations of the whole planet had slowed down because people stopped driving and going places during the height of the pandemic. It is real science. Exactly. And so, I mean, there's so much for people if they didn't take the time to go in, um, reflect on on some of the things that we mentioned that we're going to be talking about on what their purpose is, on their meaning, on on how the world as we know it will never be the way it was. We're in a new normal, but you have an opportunity to create and be a part of something new and yes. different because the old way of doing things is no longer the way to do things moving forward. And I liked what you said, Kent, when you talked about the heart, because we do have to come from the heart space. We have to, we have to be in a love, I don't want to say like love connection, love mode, but everything does flow from love and from forgiveness. Well, it really Absolutely. is. It, it really is in all ancients, not only the Bible, not only the Quran, not on every ancient, the Vedas, which there's, there's uh, tens of thousands of pages of the ancient Vedas of written Sanskrit, all talk about love and forgiveness. But see, the bottom line is this, that the gut, everybody says think from your gut. Well, what happens is vibrations come into the gut. There's a thing called the vagus nerve. Now, this is a real nerve that runs from the gut. It's about two inches below the belly button, uh, near the uh, is, uh, core uh, uh, of the body. So the vagal nerve runs there, then it, then it goes to the side. I, I believe it goes to the right side. Then it goes up the spine into the third vertebrae of the neck. From there, it goes into the brain. So whatever vibrations you pick up, like I say, wow, I love Pam's vibration. Wow, well, that hit me in the gut. It wasn't mental. It went to my head. Then the, the brain is basically a processor. It's, it's a big computer processor. It's not like a computer, but it processes. Once it finishes processing, then that goes through the third eye, then into the heart, and that becomes wisdom. So from Pam, Actually, telepathy-wise, I picked up, and so did Chris, we picked up a lot of her wisdom and her heart, love, and forgiveness, and we incorporated that into our heart. We built a new room onto our heart, of which me, Pam, and Chris all live, and we live from that. And by that processing, by that process that we allow to go into our heart, we have become expanded people in our little triad. Absolutely. And so... Then the next uh, definition I wanted to talk about religion, mm -hmm. because there is a difference between religion and spirituality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> religion, I have defined as a particular system of faith and worship, belief in God or gods and the connected with this belief. 
Does that sound like that's good to go? Well, actually, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a a Godhead figure. But you see, religios, ironically enough, in Greek, means to bind together. Because when, you know, Jesus is out running around and they're saying, well, you know, what, what should we be doing? And what he said, well, he said, one stick, and he picks up a stick, one stick can be broken. But if we put many sticks into a bundle, right, so it can't be broken. And that is what he was trying to portray as religios, as the binding together of people. Unfortunately, most religion doesn't do that. But that's, that is another extension of what religios meant to the Greeks, to bind people together so they can't be broken apart. Okay, I like that. And I think there is something to be said for that. And it's interesting how over the years, I mean, my my thinking is that always tell people if you hold up your hand, and each finger represents a different belief or group of beliefs, Mm -hmm. if you have Judaism, if you have Hinduism, if you have Buddhism, if you have, you know, Islam, Mm -hmm. you have Christianity, it's all attached to the same hand, which attaches to the same body. But yet I find that for most people in our culture and throughout the world, um, people don't see the interconnectedness, if you oh, will. Oh, so true. And so beautiful. We wind up with is we wind up with a lot of um, misunderstandings based around uh, religious beliefs. We have a lot of people who I would like to say subvert religious beliefs for their yes. own. Yes. Um, not greater good, but certainly for their own means. And so we we have to be conscious and we have to take the time to do the research. I mean, we were all given brains and and hopefully the skills to to think creatively. We have to, to to pick and choose or figure out, separate fact from fiction and what rings true for you. You know what I'm saying? Well, actually, uh, when, when God was given our brains, some of the people thought he said trains, and they said, well, I don't need one, so they didn't get one. <laughs> so that's, that, that's an issue. People simply don't use the uh, metaphysical mind. Uh, the brain is a physical organ which has neurons and what fires together, wires together. But there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a universal mind uh, that, that taps into all knowledge that ever has been, will be, or is now. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn to tap into that uh, universal mind. Right. So the next definition I have is um, shamanism. Universal mm-hmm. spiritual wisdom inherent to all indigenous tribes. As all ancient spiritual practices are rooted in nature, is a method by which we as human beings can strengthen connection. And I got that definition from, um, it was an online group called Dance of the Deer Foundation. Mm. So Mm. what do we think about shamanism? Well, shamanism was interesting because the shaman himself was aware of the power of healing. But usually they would have to go through some ritual with whomever they were trying to heal so the, to kind of convince the person that something really happened and that they were, were healed. That, that they needed the person's um, acceptance for it to work. And, and, and that ritual would be the way that they would get them to, 
to accept and and see that that the that healing was possible. Okay. Kent, do you have anything else to add? Um yeah, ritual reinforces myths. So we tell a story, then we do a ritual, and it and it becomes a placebo. Placebo in of course Greek means to please. And there's such a thing as nocebo, which is not to please. So a lot of times, even when doctors give drugs, the drugs don't even work, but people think they do. And that's kind of what it is. And you have to have belief, faith, and creativity. And let me say one thing about creativity. When, when I was in uh, gifted education, we define creativity as making the strange familiar and the familiar strange. And when you flip everything around, that's kind of what it is. And so then we get into the myth of the hero and there's different myths, but as long as we believe this, but if we believe the negative, we end up negative. Believe the positive, we believe the love, the forgiveness, then it works. And that's what I love the way you have defined, started with definitions. Every time I taught, I'd say, let's have definitions. Students say, no, we want to get into the meat of it. I said, this is it. This, if we don't understand definitions, we're never going to have clarity and we're never going to have a consensus on anything. I love that. Thank that you. That is absolutely correct. And we know as mediators, you know, I try to, if we can agree on what we can agree on, we have to have some basis with which we hopefully move forward to try to draft an agreement. Exactly. So we have to agree on some things or, or if we can't, then then it's, it's like we're going to it's all for naught. But if we can agree on some things, then we can figure out what it is that we don't agree on. And then that's where the real work begins on working on the areas of disagreement. Yeah. Within mm -hmm. chaos and anarchy, that's what anarchists love. They want to overthrow and have a nihilism. The nihilists were an 18th century group that didn't believe anything. And that's what happens when you don't have values and you don't believe you don't have your, the structure that you're talking about. That is correct, and you are correct. And those are the times that we're living in where it seems that every time we turn around, everything that we knew is being torn down. And mm -hmm. so out of that chaos, a new order is indeed being created. So the yes. question for each of us as individuals is, what role are you going to play? What person do you want to be? How are you going to show up? Are you going to be part of the process, part of the solution, part of the problem? But those are all questions for another time. So given the state of world events, we are we are bombarded with different stressors. So questions for people to think about how do you cope and what do you do to maintain balance? So um, I'm going to really quickly just to clear our energy really quickly. I'm going to ring my little bell here. Perfect. Okay, so now we're going to get into kind of sort of the nuts and bolts of what is the mind-body connection, okay? So I'm going to briefly share some thoughts from an article uh, written by an Earl Baker at the University of Minnesota's Center for Spirituality and Healing. Mm. He describes the mind-body connection as follows, and I quote, when our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and attitudes can positively or negatively affect our biological functioning. In other words, our minds can affect how healthy our bodies are. On the other hand, 
what we do with our physical body, what we eat, how much we exercise, even our posture can impact our mental state. Again, either positively or negatively. This results in a complex interrelationship between our minds and our bodies. Okay, so he further says, or I think this might be a quote from um, Dr. James Gordon, founder of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, who says that the brain and peripheral nervous system, the endocrine and immune systems, and indeed all the organs of our body and all the emotional responses we have share a common chemical language and are constantly communicating with one another. So that was a mouthful to digest. <laughs> well, actually, Dr. Gordon is a psychiatrist, and he decided that the problem with what we now define as mental illness, uh, which is actually just an imbalance of the brain, mind, whatever. Uh, he's a psychiatrist, heads his own institute. I studied with Dr. Herbert Benson, who used to be, uh, many years ago, was uh, 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 Tim Leary, Dr. Leary, and um, um, Ram Das, who, who Ram Das in Sanskrit actually uh, 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 transcribes to um, uh, a servant of God. That was Dr. Richard Alpert, one of the youngest, most brilliant graduates of the University of California in psychology. He, um, and Richard Alpert, you can still find the publications. Anyway, they have the mind, they have the uh, Mind Body Institute, and I studied there, and that's what that's that was the whole thing of the mind body. The core of mindfulness, that's being paying attention, the core of mindfulness meditation practice is to develop our skills of observation, concentration, and mindfulness. But it's ironic that mindfulness really is backwards because what we really want is mind emptiness and that's called sunyata. Wow, thank you. And so I want you to share how it is that you became known as the Nuru Guru. That's or the Neuro Guru. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I, I studied gerontology, I spent three-year clinical and nursing administration, and, and back then, in the 90s, it was called the decade of the brain. I thought, well, I need to start looking at the brain, and I realized that neurons fire within two thousandths of a second. Then I found Dr. Ian McLaughlin. Dr. Ian McLaughlin is a, uh, he's had about, I guess, a couple of years. He has a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. It is the oldest medical school in the United States. Harvard is, the, I think, the second oldest. Anyway, uh, uh, Ian McLaughlin, under Anthropoid, he has many, many talks and things like that. And I started talking to him and corresponding and listening to his uh, seminars on YouTube. And I started, and 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 so he said, well, you know, it's you, you, you really understand some of the neurological stuff. And he said, well, you must be some kind of a guru. So I put those two things together and I thought, wow, I can be a neuro guru. And everybody mixes up neurologist, which is an MD, a medical doctor, with a neuroscientist, which is actually a PhD. It took him about 10 years to get that PhD. So he gave me a, a massive amount of incredible things. And so it kind of came from Ian McLaughlin and studying the brain and things like that. If it weren't for him, very clear teaching style, I would never have 
figured out that that is exactly what pilots mean, because the brain is just a bunch of neurons, the white matter being the connectors, the gray matter being the thinking. Wow. And you were starting to fade a little bit, so I don't know if you moved away from the phone. So, Chris, do you have anything you want to share a little bit about your background and how it is that you met Kent? Oh, well, Men Kent and I met at a, um, uh, yeah, uh, we, uh, it was just a special time and we connected immediately. Um, and... Well, I don't, I don't know how to say, how to say it. Um, we just connected immediately. Went, the first place we went to was the opera. And, and, and uh, this, uh, the second time we met, we, we spent 12 hours walking around Sarasota. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. So we had a lot to talk about. Apparently, <laughs> oh, but, you know, hopefully what people understand is when you meet someone, you know, you, you want to do that. I mean, it's like, hopefully you're the kind of person where you ask questions. You want to know, you want to know things. And the only way you know things is to ask questions and to talk, right? Right. So what is your background? Well, uh, uh, my background is uh, being raised very poor in Indiana. We were, we were poor in Indiana. I, okay, so Kent, you're sounding a little faded. Are you are you near the phone or is it moved away? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me Okay. Now? Is that better? Yeah, that's a little better. Okay. Um, I was raised very poor in Indiana. I had a lot of rednecks and Indians and stuff like that. And they taught me incredible things. Working people taught me incredible things. And the boy next door sold me a boy and bow and arrow. I was raised with many of the Indians. And I knew a lot about Indians and a lot of powwows. I just raised very poor, and I uh, had really good teachers. And I, uh, my goal was to go to college. I went to Ball State, where David Letterman went. We were both basically C students. We were a little distracted. And uh, I majored in business. And uh, from there, I became a safety engineer in Detroit because I had such an extensive background in, uh, um, in uh, sciences. And from there, I became a consultant here in Minnesota, St. Paul Public Schools. I taught gifted because I knew science. It all came back to science. I uh, fell, broke my hip, rehabilitation. The government paid for, uh, I had a fellowship to go to school in nursing administration. I did that. Real estate, mortgage broker, I've done all kinds of things. But the best thing I ever did was become a leader. I met the best people ever. And then I just continued my science of the mind by, by putting psychic, metaphysics, and everything else into this uh, small uh, capsule we have called brain. And I worked from there, and I worked uh, overseas. I was a, uh, a platform instructor for Delta Architectural in Tehran. And from Tehran, I went to Russia, India, and places like that. And I was able to travel, and I picked up a lot of Eastern philosophy, and that's kind of what happened. Wow. And what about you, Chris? Uh, I, ca I came from... Um... Uh, an average uh, lower income family, and my, my mother worked at the AMP. My father worked as a maintenance man. Um, I was the first one in the family to um, get a college degree, and uh, I was I've always been a teacher. I mean, I, I went to college to become a teacher, and I've always either been a teach you know 
I always say that I've been on either side of the desk. I've either been a teacher or a student <laughs> Wow! for most of my life. And um, the thing for me is, is, is spirituality. I'm, uh, that, that defines my life. And um, uh, one of the things you had talked about before um, with the mind-body connection, I, the thing that I like is uh, cognitive behavior. And cognitive behavior, very simply, emphasizes um, framing things at your experiences in a positive fashion rather than a negative fashion. So, for instance, if someone failed a test, they could easily say, "You know, I'll never, I'll never get this topic again. I'll never, you know, pass whatever." Or they could say, "Well, I this gave me an opportunity to learn what I don't know, and I can, I can learn from there." And um, and and pass this course, so I'm I'm big on that on cognitive behavior. I think as we believe, so we react and act. So if you change your behavior, you change. If you change your beliefs, you change your behavior. I agree with that assessment. And so my hope is, you know, when I started doing my podcast, and it was just basically based on the premise that. Fortunately for me, I know a lot of people from all walks of life with all different kinds of backgrounds that we all have a story to tell and that um, the stories that we tell, the knowledge, the experiences that we've had in our life's journey can perhaps benefit those that listen to the podcast, even if they get but a kernel um, or a tidbit from what all of us share today or share in the future that will benefit them and also to to be encouraging and let them know that we all began from humble roots. I too was first generation in my family to go to college, first generation to have graduated from law school and that these things are indeed possible. And I think that's part of the goal is to let people know what indeed possible. Mm -hmm. So I briefly touched on um, some of the mind-body therapies, if you will, like practices that I think Kent also touched on where he talked about meditation, creative arts, yoga, biofeedback, prayer. All these are things that, that people can practice or do if if they're out of balance, out of alignment. So do we want to shift the conversation or Kent, you can have the floor. Do you want to talk more about the mind aspect of my spirit? Yeah, well, what, the one thing I wanted to say, question, the core, uh, the core word in question is quest. And Native Americans call it a vision quest. Now, I don't care if you're living in the woods or you're in the slums or you're a millionaire, you're on some kind of a quest. And the question is, you know, how do I do this thing? Let me add one thing to cognition. The, the sequence is memory. In other words, memory is the lowest. Then cognition, we recognize. Then we go to convergent, one, 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 uh, one idea. Then we go to divergent, how many can we come out of this? Then we correlate and combine all these together. And that's the mind-body-spirit connection is simply we in the West are detached, as in chapters in a book. We end a chapter, we begin a chapter, but the mind and body are consciously connected. We don't seem to know that. We believe the mind is separate from the body. 
We believe the body is separate from the spirit. It's not. It's all connected together. And the mind is the universal mind where all thoughts, all cognition, everything is we share with everyone else. We meet someone else, we actually pick up their thoughts and feelings. But the brain itself is just a collection of neurons and um, uh, connectors and ideas and visions that we pull together. But without other people, we're never going to grow. We have to interchange each one of these, uh, these particular things. You see, uh, after a few minutes of concentration and meditation, we switch to mindfulness. We observe the breath. We count each one, and the entire breathing process becomes mindful. See, this is uh, relaxed, not forcing yourself to do anything. Distracting thoughts arise. We simply bring attention back to the breath. The mind is full of monkeys. So we have to calm those monkeys down by either repeating a mantra or watching our breath so the monkeys don't get carried away. That's the problem with the human brain. We've got too much going on. Okay. Anything you would like to add to that, Chris? Actually, um, that's the one thing that all religions seem to have in common is that they do teach meditation. That That's the one gift that they do give their... Uh, their members. So when Kent was talking, there was a particular word or phrase that he used that brought to mind, um, to my mind, Ubuntu, U -B which is a South African philosophy. And mm -hmm. so there's a book that, that I constantly rave about that I tell people to read. It's called No Future Without Forgiveness. And it was mm. written by the late Desmond Archbishop, the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who died mm -hmm. on December 26th of this year, if people were. And he passed with the commission or with the task by then President to create the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And the mm. of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was to address a trial which had been committed during apartheid. So it was an opportunity for, for people to come forward um, who had committed atrocities um, to confess what they had done to seek. No criminal liability would attach. And it was, it was, it was, uh, uh, I can't even describe the, the words. I mean, it was a world-class act in the power of forgiveness. Mm. In, in this book, No Future Without Forgiveness, to describe what Ubuntu is, and I'm going to plug from the book. Ubuntu is very difficult to render into a Western language. It speaks of the very essence of being human. When we want to give high praise to someone, we say, you, u, nobuntu. Hey, he or she has Ubuntu. This means they are generous, friendly, caring, and compassionate. They it also means my humanity is caught up, is inextricably bound up in. We belong in a bundle of life. We say, a person is a person through other people. It is not, I think, therefore I am. It mm -hmm. says rather, I am human because I belong, I participate, I share. 
a person with Ubuntu is open and available to others, affirming of others, does not feel threatened that others are able and good, for he or she has a proper self-assurance that comes from knowing that he or she belongs in a greater whole and is diminished when others are humiliated, when others are tortured or oppressed or treated as they were less than who they are. Um, be friendly or social harmony is for bonum, the greatest good. Anything or undermines the good is to be resentment, lust for revenge through a of this to forget it is the best form of self-interest what dehumanizes you inexorably dehumanizes people resilience enabling them to survive and emerge still human efforts to the human so i i became aware of the principle of ubuntu i don't know how many years ago and it's something that really stuck a chord in me and it's something that i keep in mind in my dealings with people that in the final analysis we are all humans and that we are all sharing this earth and this space together and that if you have an open heart and an open mind and you can show compassion and empathy and walk in someone's shoes that are different than yours. And by walking in their shoes, that means, you know, if they're from a different race, a different culture, a different religious experience, think how different the world would be that we currently live in. So with that said, do we want to touch on any? Yes. So do we want to talk? <laughs> No worries. So do we want to um, mediation briefly or anything that, that sticks out that you want to briefly touch on, Kent or Chris? Uh, well, well, he used all those skills in, in mediation and he certainly learned to, to listen. And um, one of the things that I like tools that I like to to use or I've seen used is to ask someone you know it's, it's to say to someone help me understand and I think that's something that we all need to use every day in our in our regular activities or, or interactions with people I agree with you 100% when mediators listen people talk Yes. And I think one of the most important skills as mediators that we that we use or that we should be utilizing is our listening skills, are our listening skills, because when you listen, that's when you learn. And and again, what we do is we facilitate. OK, so we all come to the table. We're all, you know 
how we were raised, our background, our biases, what have you. But as arbitrators and mediators, we're, we're tasked with being impartial and unbiased. So we have to set all of those things that we were ingrained in us, that, that were taught to us, and kind of become, you know, stoic or blank slate so that we can take in the information or we can listen to both sides and help people get to an agreement. Absolutely. Well, what what you're saying is tabula rasa. That means, in in Greek, obviously, tabula rasa was a blank slate. Exactly. A blank slate. And mediation, arbitration, conciliation, all those are what we call the uh, uh, multi-door courthouse. Instead of a judge sitting up there and making a decision, we allow and we are uh, trained and part of our ethics is to let them, all we do is control the process. We do not control what they say or what they come up with. They can even have forgiveness, which you can't do in a trial uh, as part of mediation. So what we have to do is allow them to take control of the destiny and what they want to do and what their values dictate to them. And all we do is just keep the flow of the river. And, and, they, and that's the beauty of uh, the way meditation is. I think when you talk about Descartes, I think therefore I am. That's Ergo Cognito's son. It's it's actually backward. It's instead of I think therefore I am. It's I am therefore I think. That ah. is, that's kind of if you flip it over, and that's the creativity again, making strength, knowing knowing strength. You flip it over. You see, instead of that, and Descartes said, "How do I know I'm not being deceived by a demon? How do I know I'm not dead?" And he said, I think, but that really is the point. That I am, that therefore, that's the way it goes. And more people recognize what power they have and that they're alive, they have feelings, and they have great ideas, there wouldn't be the conflict. Because the conflict is, I don't think my idea is good enough, so I push somebody else, and we get an argument, not even over the idea, over whether I believe it's valid myself. So we have to believe our own feelings and values and forgiveness to make sure that we... uh, are able to uh, uh, go through. Yeah, I just scribbled this down. I said the worst atrocity is to not love, forgive, and honor every living entity on Earth and all universes. I like that. Just come up with that from what you said. <laughs> Thank you. So see, creativity at work, even as we're talking. That's it. And it's a process. Yes. It yes. is a process. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, Chris, do you have any last-minute thoughts you would like to share? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of listening. <laughs> <laughs> You're using those mediation skills, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, thank you. But uh, um, I, I think that the world today is giving us the opportunity to, to look at our lives and, and choose um, what we want to be, uh, how we want to a- act in the world. And um, I, I don't want to introduce that now, but uh, there is such a thing as the, what they consider the new earth. And that's basically bringing you know, love, joy, and peace into the world. And you do that by doing it through yourself. You bring that into your own world. You become that, and and um, you don't you don't have to you don't have to do anything but be. It, once you become love, joy, and peace. 
I love that. And so, so much, so much of what we do, not just as mediators, but as human beings in this world, as being, again, like you said, how I initially connected with Kent, like how we were attracted to that light in each other. And right. Then, <laughs> I mean, there are people like that who just intuitively know that this is someone that we have stuff in common or we have things that we can discuss. I think that is so important and you can't dismiss that intuitive knowing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what you and, just said? You, you just, uh, Pam, you said you, you, you were so much. I hurt so much. Huh? <laughs> so much. In other words, the soul, you were speaking of the soul is so much. You were saying so much in, in, in conversation. You said so much, S-O much. I heard so much. Oh, wow. S-O-U-L. Yeah, so much. Exactly. I heard you. I heard that as an interpolation of what you actually were trying to say. <laughs> See, I hope people who are listening, you appreciate what we are doing here. I mean, you were witnessing you know, creativity, inspiration, intuitiveness, all kind of, of things are going on in this conversation. I'm in one location and Kent and Chris are in another and we are making this kind of magic happen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think what I'm going to do, um, just to wrap stuff up, I'm going to ring the chime one more time so that we can go out and that will be the sound that will linger on, which will be the, the ringing of the chime. So we can just meditate on what that means to you, for you. I hope that in the remaining hours of 2021, you take the time to write down some things or maybe do a vision board or, or whatever you do, if you do anything, and if you don't do anything, this might be the time to start thinking about perhaps what 2021 was like for you, what 2020 was like for you, and what you are bringing in to your life in 2022. So with that said, would you like to have any final thoughts on what your 2021 was like? either Kent first and then Chris and then I will end this first episode because it's going to be an ongoing conversation that I'm going to have with Kent and Chris and we're going to touch on other subjects or topics related to some of the definitions that we've thrown out but we had to first lay the groundwork or or build the frame if you will so now that we kind of sort of have a frame we'll be touching on some of the uh, definitions in the future and I just want to say thank you to both of you. And then I'll just ask, Kent, do you have any last remarks you would like to say before I... Yeah, I think 21 was confusing for all of us. It did not go as planned. It did not go what we thought. The, uh, the virus came, everything. Everything was chaotic. But it was, oh, chaos is terrible. No, chaos, within chaos, that incredible confusion, there are what we call fractals. Those are the tiny little grains of truth, the tiny little neurons, if you will. We've got an axion and a dendrite, an fire and a chemical theory that goes across there that, that makes the, 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 um, the whole complete uh, 
neuronal connection. But basically, within that chaos, we found the crackles, and we're trying to find the crackles in this particular podcast of the crackles of truth, those tiny little grains that look all so confusing. But when you look, you find the diamonds, the gold, within that incredible chaos. And that's what everybody is doing. Whether they know it or not, there's some great, great grains in there. In what seems to be chaotic, it's really not. There's a lot of truth in there. And you have to abstract that truth. You have to take that truth, live it, set up your 10 top values, zero to one, zero to five, put all your values together, and then you have a life plan for your mind, body, spirit. Wow, that was profound. Thank you. How about <laughs> you, Chris? I think that the last two years have been kind of a reset. And it's an opportunity for people to recognize that they have power over their own lives and that they can choose how they're going to live their lives. It doesn't matter what your income, what, what, what your activities, the people you interact with, you can choose, you can frame how you interact with your situation. And uh, hopefully you, you choose to be grateful. I mean, the, Gratefulness is a fantastic tool for learning to um, change your life, to recognize what you do have. And uh, people have gratefulness journals. Some I personally, it's just, I mean, I, I, I thank my bed for, for being so comfortable. Thank I mean, you. I have the little things, you're right. Express gratitude for the small things. Yeah. So at any rate, um, I think going into the new year, if we can, you know, if, if people choose, they, they can change their lives for the better. And uh, just through simple things, simple things, as you say, for forgiveness, thankfulness, recognizing what, what they really do have in their lives. And, and to uh, hopefully choose love, joy and peace. Thank you for those thoughts. So I want to, again, thank both of you. I want to say a phrase and I didn't. I know the definition, but for the next time we meet, I'm going to have this as the definition that we're going to be, that we're going to begin the podcast with because the people say, I'm sorry, what was that, Kent? The working definition, go ahead. Exactly. So it's a word that people use all the time, but I wonder, do they know what it actually means? And right before I ring the bell, and that's going to be the sound that's going to take us out, I'm going to say the word namaste uh, yeah. so as we know there is an actual definition for that word and so I will save that definition for the next time and again I want to thank you both I'm going to ring the chime and we're just going to quietly reflect on any thoughts that come to you as you listen to the chime if you want to jot them down and that can be where we start our next episode, okay? <laughs> right. I want to thank you both so much. This has oh, been people don't. You. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for being you. My goodness. Well, I mean, we've been trying to do this for what, over a year? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently today was the time, the it last really day of really the year, so we can, yes, yes. We can yeah. be inspired and inspire people. Thank you. And I love you both. Oh, well, same here. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ring the chime. Yeah, you thoughts. won this case. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Counselor, you won this case. We are definitely convinced. <laughs> <laughs>
thank you. So it was a good result. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's it. All right. Any thoughts that come to you, write them down. And when we talk again, we'll we'll build our next episode around any thoughts that came to you. But it's okay if no thoughts come to you, if we just like, just go with the flow of just the peacefulness of the chime. Okay? All right. Sounds good. I'm going to ring it three times. That was one. That was two. And this is the third time. I just like to hone in on how you hear it just fade off into nothingness. I think that is so cool. This is the third and last time. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the three of us share a little bit about ourselves. We hope that you have a wonderful and prosperous new year. That concludes our podcast episode that we're going to tentatively call Mind, Body, and Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.